0: Welcome to 90% Mental, I'm your host, Grant Parr, and thank you for joining us for our 43rd episode. As a mental performance coach, I get the honor to work with athletes and teams to enhance their mental game and unlock their full potential. You know, and the drive in creating 90% Mental was basically to bring awareness around mental performance within sport by interviewing athletes and coaches so they can talk about their perspectives and stories with regards to the mental game. But for the most part, there's so much to talk about within the world of sports when it comes to mindset. So let's talk about a serious topic within sports, and that is steroid use. And I think that most of us understand steroids as a an option to gain muscle or to gain speed or power. But also people use steroids to deal with pain. And that's what I want to focus on today, because my guest is Coach Dave Sampson, a former collegiate strength conditioning coach who's gonna be sharing his story about pain management and steroids and adversity, which is connected to a situation that he was connected to last year. He was arrested on possession of anabolic steroids and he was removed from his duties at Roanoke College. What you're gonna hear from Coach is he's gonna share intimate details about the pain that he was dealing with from just years of of working out and being an athlete and why steroids was an option for him to deal with the pain. But he also talks about different ways to deal with pain, which is very educational. And this story to me is very authentic, very vulnerable. And I really appreciate Coach sharing details on on the situation. But this story is more about steroid use. It's, it's more about a man that accepts the decisions he's made and that this particular situation is not gonna hold him down. And when you hear the passion in Coach Sampson's voice on on what he's gonna be doing or what he has been doing to turn his life around, you will get that this this man has gone through a ton and he's done the right things to turn around his life. He's he's surrounded himself with the right people as far as the support system. And you just feel that He's done the work and then he's willing to go out there and be vulnerable and share his story and hopefully it helps people deal with whatever they're dealing when it comes to steroid use. So again, I love the fact that Coach is on my show. I hope you enjoy it. I think you're going to learn a lot from Coach. So without further ado, let's go talk to Coach Sampson. Hey Dave, how are you? Grant, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. You bet. I'm I'm really excited, and I want to thank you in advance for just being vulnerable with your story and sharing with us kind of some things that that you've gone through in the past year or two and how you've learned from it, and, and with regards to basically your stories about pain management and steroid use, and also an unfortunate event with regards to steroids that's bandaged you from working with athletes at Roanoke College and ultimately, puts you in a situation to lose your job as a strength and conditioning coach at the college. I'm ready. All right. So before I get into our interview, which I can't wait to get into, but I always ask this question to every guest on my show. What does mentally tough mean to you?
1: Oh wow, that's a great question. Um I, I guess me personally and I, I've kind of talked to the different athletes that I've I've worked with over the years about that very topic and, and you know, I try to share with them, you know, my feelings, if they, you know, ask me the same question, I, I get, and I guess for me, it means pretty much just uh, being faced with adversity, whether it's uh, physical, mental, emotional, what have you, and being able to, you know, keep your chin up and your chest out and and not feel like that you have the weight of the world on you and, and just kind of have the outlook that, you know what, th- this is, this is really no big deal. I'm going to push through this. It's going to be tough. Maybe, um, maybe not. I don't know, but the only way I'm going to deal with this is just to take it head on and you know, I'm not going to back down from it. And, and I guess ultimately being mentally tough is just not backing down from stuff no matter what it is.
0: Absolutely. And do you think that you have been mentally tough in the last couple of years considering the things you've had to deal with?
1: Um, yeah, that's another great question. I, I think, uh, I think I've had to be, you know, you get to a point when, you know, you're you're dealing with a certain level of pain and you finally come to the realization that there's not a whole lot you can do about it. You know, you can, you can take all the different alternatives and options and, and stabs at, at whatever you think might alleviate your pain. And if you find that they really don't, then, you know, you're pretty much left with the fact that, you know, that's going to be there and it's you got to do your best not to let it affect your your day to day life and your day to day performance and it's you know that's tough and and you know I wish I could say I was on my A game and mentally tough every single minute of every single day but you know that'd be a lie I I, I feel like I did my best to to push through whenever possible and and keep in mind that you know uh, you know when I feel you know back down or beaten down or something like that I I, I had a chaplain. In military school, tell me one time, you know, he looked at me, says, you know what, Samson, things could always be worse. You might be telling yourself, you know, why is this happening to me? But on the other side of the coin, maybe you should tell yourself why not me. Hmm. So I, I try to tell no matter what's going on here, I, I guarantee you, it could always be worse. And I've tried to um, share that outlook and and keep that outlook. And no matter what I'm doing, things can always be worse.
0: Right. I love that mindset. I love that. I love that phrase that um, your chaplain said. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, he was a good man. And and I'll tell you a quick story. I don't mean this is kind of a little tangent here, but I was uh, I was playing for a school called 14 Union Military Academy, which back in the day in the early 80s was a really big uh, kind of Division one college prep school. So I'm there in hopes of, you know, I really wanted to play football at either VMI, University of Richmond or William and Mary, a school like that. And um, I, get, I get to start nod, nod at safety, which was I thought was pretty good because I was on the, the field with, I mean, some really truly elite athletes. So we're playing Penn State in our first game, or wow. Penn State's JV. And first play of the game is a slant route. So I read the key, the guy's cutting across the middle, and I go flying up, and I get a really good hit on him, and I got him wrapped up. And my roommate, who's a linebacker, takes his helmet and buries it right in my forearm. Breaks both bones in half. Wow. So, you know, a, a couple of weeks later, I ended up, I'm going to UVA once a week to have my have my arm looked at to make sure I don't need surgery, and it's, it was a really long drawn out ordeal. But I, I know the chaplain. This is when he grabbed me. I'm, I'm kind of Mr. Being Mr. Sad sack one day walking across the campus, and he looks at me and he goes, Cadet, what's wrong? I said, hey, Chaplain, you know, I'm just bummed out you know, I had, you know, some high aspirations coming in here and now I'm dealing with this. I said, you know, it's just, yeah, that's not fair. I said, I don't know why this stuff happened to me. And that's when he gave me the speech, you know, son, you need to, you need to realize that why not you?
0: Mm.
1: Anytime it, something that's even remotely resembles adversity, gosh, I hear that guys saying that in the back of my head. And, you know, sometimes it, Aggravates me a little, but most of the time puts a smile on my face, and I say, "Yeah, hey, you know what? Chapman's right. Why not me? Let's
0: go." <laughs> well, I think what we're going to do after we're done talking about your story towards the end, we'll circle back to that statement, "Why not you?" and and I think that you know, as we learn more about your story, I think that "Why not you?" is going to probably resonate more with my listeners. And just your role, what you're what you're doing now, as far as bringing awareness to your situation and steroid use. But yeah. with regards to getting into your story, can you tell me what happened on June twenty on June twenty second, two
1: thousand seventeen? Well, uh, I was in San Diego uh, working at La Cross Camp, and I made arrangements to take the red eye back to Salem, Virginia, the next day. June twenty third was was my uh, wedding anniversary seven or twenty seven years. So, I was coming back early because I like spending my wife and I spend time together, you know on our anniversary, so I wanted to come in early so we'd have the whole day and do whatever. So I took the red eye back, got delayed a little bit, landed in uh, Washington, I think at seven a m waited for <laughs> a half hour or so, got on the plane and got back to Salem or Roanoke, I guess somewhere around eight eight thirty. So I pulled in my driveway, I guess 8.45 to see gosh, like there's like three or four police cars parked in my driveway so i'm like heck is this so i get out and here comes a patrol officer out of my backyard and i'm thinking is everything okay And then my you know wife pokes her head around from around the behind the house she got the search warrant in her hand and know i'm thinking holy crap what is going on here and it, it just kind of it kind of went downhill from there so um on a side note, probably the worst anniversary I've ever had. Wow. But, uh, and, and, you know, to, I, but, you know, keeping with our theme, it could always be worse, right? right? It could always be worse. So, you know, it kind of went down. You know, I read the search warrant, and there were some accusations that I had been distributing, not only using, but distributing anabolic steroids to the students at the college, which was immediately disproved and, and done away with, which, you know, that, that was nowhere near true or anything like that. So I, I just kind of started dealing with, you know, where do I go from here? And they, that was put on immediate uh, suspension with pay until, you know, the substances that were found uh, were tested. And I contacted an attorney, and he did a wonderful job working with the college and their attorney on, you know, kind of arriving at you know, what's been, what's going to happen. You know, I had, I had no idea that it was going to, you know, drag out for, you know, five, six, seven, eight months before they actually made a decision or for something actually happened. But, you know, I did my best to, you know, keep my chin up. I think I, I think I probably felt sorry for myself for about 24 to 48 hours. And I realized that, you know, I got a wife and three kids that are looking, looking for me or looking at me for guidance. And, you know, I got to keep my head up, my chest out and you know no matter what happens I still got my family I still have my beliefs and I push forward so you know I I believe that things do happen for a reason you know fortunately I had a second chaplain enter my life at Roanoke College Chaplain Bowen who had me as the faculty staff mentor for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes on campus so I, you know guided a number of those athletes through you know, their own circumstances. So I just, you know, I told myself, I'm like, you know, no matter what the outcome of this is, it's going to be fine. I'm, I'm going to have to take this and turn it into a positive. And if there's ever a teaching moment, this has got to be one. Right, It's my job to figure out, you know, what the heck it is. And, you know, there, there's probably a number of different directions I can go and, and, let others benefit from this and learn from this. And, you know, I'm not afraid to go in a couple of different directions because, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, young men and w- women out there that are both athletes and non-athletes to, that run into circumstances that they need a little bit of guidance. And, you know, my, my wife swears up and down that, you know, my, my gift is listening to kids and helping them get back on the right track. So I'm, I'm trying to gather myself and and do just that, you know, be, you know, continue to, you know, give some advice when called on. And, you know, I've I've always been a big believer in lead by example. If you don't, you know, if you don't know the way, go the way and show the way, then you better get out of my way. Mm -hmm. I love it. uh, I, you know, I, I try to implement that and, and, you know, my, my, my wife, bless her heart, you know, her, her first things out of her mouth was, Hey honey, we all make mistakes. And, you know, that was tough for me to see at that point and to, to grasp at that point. But, you know, she's right. I mean, she's a hell of a lot smarter than I am. And we all do make mistakes. You know, unfortunately, mine was aired out in public. But you know what? That's fine. Uh, your, your, your core beliefs are all we're going to stay your core beliefs. And, you know, people can rise above anything they want to rise above. So that's, that's what I'm
0: doing my best to do. Well, I can only imagine, you know, being the, in the role that you have been for years, being a strength conditioning coach and being a mentor, you're, you're you're always in service. And now with this situation, you're still in service, but it's in a different way. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, it is. And I tell you the toughest part about the whole thing was, you know, this, it was, you know, I'm just, I'm used to being around these kids all the time. And, you know, two or three times a week, somebody comes to my office and say, hey, coach, I screwed up. You know, I just tell them, well, it's nothing we can't get past, so let's hear it. You know, number one, do your parents know? Because if your parents don't know, spin around, get out of here, come back, and we'll sit down after you've told your parents because they're the ones that matter first, then you tell me second. So, you know, it's been tough to, you know, not be in that position where, you know, I can listen and I can – you know, give out advice. You know, I, I've been lucky in my relationship with, you know, John, Dr. Heil, he's been an excellent sounding board for me. And, you know, I've, uh, I think he's, I think he's, uh, subconsciously trying to turn me into an author. Cause I, I've gotten, I, got, I don't know, three or 400 pages of stuff written down about, you know, how I've gotten from point A to point B. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to, go back and draw something from that at some point. And then, you know, I'm going to go forward and, and, and continue to do my best to, you know, try to help young kids out, you know, whether they're athletes, non-athletes or, or whatever capacity, I, I you know, I enjoy that. And, you know, I'm probably – someone will tell you in the past that, you know, when, when all this happened, uh, the chaplain shared with me, I think I had like two or 300 emails come in from current former – players and parents and all this thinking, you know, we're here saying, you know, we're here for you. Just let us know what we can do, which, you know, I guess above a lot of things made me feel pretty good about stuff.
0: I bet that that kept you kept your spirits high going through all of this.
1: That was, that, that was a huge saving grace, you know, cause you know, it, it, I think it's human nature to get down on yourself when you're faced with adversity and, you know, tell yourself you're a screw up. And, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. I did some of that, but you know, the, the chaplain picked out a couple of the, the emails. I didn't, I didn't read hardly any of them. And he shared them with me. And, you know, it made me, made me feel like I really wasn't such a bad person after all, or I hadn't, you know, let these people down like I felt that I had.
0: Well, what was the, the indicator or the reason why they searched your home? Um, we recently built a new facility on the
1: college. So I had an old office in an older building, and I had shared it with another coach. For a number of years. And I think I'd been, God, I'd probably been out of that office 10, 11 months, something like that. And it was being used pretty much as just a storage bin. And they went through to clean the office out and they found a couple of old uh, vials, empty vials of steroids in there. And I think that's when someone made the statement that, yeah, not only was I using them, but there had been some rumors of me distributing them. So at that point, they, got a search warrant for my house and came and found, you know, a bunch of empty vials at my
0: house. But I I find it interesting because there's this rumor that apparently you were distributing for the last couple of years, but the last time that you, you had any steroids in your system was in 2015, October, 2015, right after, or probably before your, your hip replacement. So that's right. I find that very, very interesting, very odd. Well, I, I I'd be hard pressed
1: to argue with you, but you know, I only know what I read on the search warrant and, you know, thankfully after, uh, everything was said and done, after I had lost my job, I, I met with one of our vice presidents over there at the college and, you know, I, I point blank asked him, I'm like, you know, at, at, at what point did you figure out this wasn't the case? And he said, I, you know, I knew day one. I'm like, well, all right, that, that's fine. I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, people say things, they, they get a little carried away and, you know, I get that. Uh, So, you know, it's, you you can't unsay things and people can't unhear things. And that's, you know, the cold, hard reality of what I was faced with. So, you know, that said, you know, I just, there's nothing I can do about it. I just got to keep positive and move forward with it. You know, you know, it's, it doesn't do, doesn't do myself or anybody any, any good to hold any ill will or grievances or anger or anything like that. that. That doesn't help you heal. It doesn't help you move forward. And you're setting a really poor example by doing stuff like that. It's, it's. It's not my place to judge. You know, sometimes that's hard to do, but, you know, I can't control what people say and I can't control what people think.
0: Got to control the controllables, right?
1: That's right. And, you know, sometimes, you know, hey, I'm not perfect. I'm not the best at it. Sometimes I try to control the things I can't control, (laughs) but, you know, I'm fortunate somebody usually reels me back into reality there.
0: Right. Well, you know, your, your wife said, you know, sometimes, you know, we make mistakes. We all make mistakes. What was it? Was it a mistake? Was it just because you know we'll talk about your pain management and the pain you were going through and, and why you were taking steroids? But what was the mistake?
1: Well, I, again, that's another good question. I mean, I, I could look at it from the standpoint of you know I'm using I'm using an illegal drug to try to self medicate and self manage my pain. You know, in hindsight, maybe I should have gone to an orthopedic specialist and say. You know what are my avenues here? You know, at, at some point I did do that and was told that. You know, I had one orthopedic surgeon say, "Hey, coach, you can replace your hip, but I don't want to do it because, you know, you may be fifty-some years old, but you know, you're built like you're thirty-five, and you're gonna you're gonna outlive the hip." And I don't, she, any he flat out said, "I don't think that's fair to you." So at that point, you know, I think the the thing that I did was, you know. It was a mistake. I, I, I should have tried to explore other abo- above-ground avenues to manage that pain. You know, the easiest way is rarely the best way to go. And, you know, it would seem like, you know, sometimes that's, that's the way I chose in that manner. But, you know, it, I was at the point at, at that time where the pain was getting at me pretty good. And I just wanted it to – I knew it wasn't going to go away, but I surely wanted it to subside because it was affecting my ability to perform my job.
0: And when did you start dealing with pain, and, and what do you think caused the pain?
1: Oh, God, it's, it's, that's a long road. I mean, it probably started
0: back in.
1: Yeah, I took some pretty good hits in college. Uh, and then through weightlifting, I got into mixed martial arts, took some beatings there. And I don't think there's any one thing in particular I think it's a cumulative effect of, you know, maybe five or six different things that, that over the years, you know, when I finally made it to the orthopedic surgeon that replaced my joint, the first x-ray he took, he showed me the film. Then you couldn't even see where there was a hip joint. It was just, it looked like uh, it was just all white. There there was really nothing there. So I, I don't really fault any one thing. I think it's just uh um, I don't know if I'd call myself an adrenaline junkie, but I, I surely did my best to push the envelope and grab all the thrill-seeking opportunities I could do, without any regard to what I was going to feel like when I was fifty-plus years old.
0: And, you know, doing some research on you as well. I, I know you did some jujitsu back in the day, but you did it very for a very short time. But within that, the four or five years that you were training, you became a world champion as well.
1: Correct was an amateur, I wasn't a professional, I was strictly amateur. But um you know, I, I probably when I was doing that, you know, I was uh I was working construction probably seven, eight hours a day. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I was either bartending or working the door and bouncing at a at a bar downtown. And then if I wasn't doing that, I was probably training jujitsu for two hours a day. So my, my, my days were pretty encompassed with rough physical activity. So it, I, you know, my body, my body was still a little bit of a beat down from time to time for about a, gosh, I don't know, 10, 15 year period. Wow. So I, I don't, I don't think that necessarily helped my, helped my cause either. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> well, what do you, what are you doing differently now to deal with your pain?
1: You know what? I don't, I, I don't use any or very little free weights. I do a, a ton of resistance band training. I don't do any high impact like plyometrics or bounding or running like road work or anything like that. I do. I don't do anything where my foot le- loses contact uh, with the surface or the ground. I ride bikes a lot. Any kind of cardio work is either done on the bike or pulling or pushing a sled up a slight incline. I do a lot with a couple giant tractor tires that I have in my backyard for, you know, some deadlifts and some uh, controlled squats like front squats and some, just some regular tire flips and carries and stuff like that. But it's really not, it's not high impact. I don't use any heavy weights. I mean, these aren't like the, the five and 600 pound tires like you see on the world's strongest man they're, right, they're right. Yeah. tires. Right. So, uh, and my frequency has decrease quite a bit I, you know i may work out you know three times a week maybe four and that's a, that's a busy week and then um bel- believe it or not and you know most of the a couple of the guys that are really close to me and i can thank uh john Hyle for this he, he gave me this meditation cd you know i'll go in my man cave and lay on the couch and put his cd in and and you know meditate for 45 minutes and it helps me you know calm myself down find my focal core and just plain old relax. I mean, I was for, I'd say the better part of, you know, 15, 20, 25 years, I I stayed wound pretty tight. You know, I was either dead asleep or going, you know, 160 miles an hour. And, you know, that's, that's tough to do. It's tough to get your downtime or your unwinding time. And, you know, in hindsight, I'm not sure I had much of it. So I've, I've tried to focus, Mainly on um, just trying to relax and, and unwind, and you know, do do more things along those
0: lines. lines. Well, I, I know this for you know, being in my in my role, I know that Dr. John Heil is one of the best when it comes to pain management. You know, the psychology of injury. He's like one of the best in the field. So you're definitely in good hands. But also, I agree with meditation. I think there's so much power in in meditation. It's just. Um, it's a hard technique and strategy to, to adopt, but once you do it and you make it a best practice, there's so much value that comes from from meditating and you know, working with athletes. I always have this process that I work with them with regards to meditation, and it's it's doing your daily MVPs. And doing your daily MVPs will allow you to put yourself in a position to be your most valuable player. So if you meditate, you visualize. And you practice positive self-talk or positive self-affirmations. You're putting in you're you're putting yourself in a position where you can control those three things, and you can allow yourself to be more relaxed. You can be you can see yourself do things more effectively throughout your life, and you'll have more of a positive dialogue as far as your thoughts and the way that, not the way you listen to yourself, but the way you talk to yourself. So, right. you know, the power Absolutely. of meditation is is huge. I'm glad that you adopted that as a as a best practice.
1: You know, and it, it's that's funny you should say that because you know the all the time that I was uh, my my martial art was jiu jitsu you know it it probably took me a good year to fully grasp the concept of you know if, if you're going to excel in that particular martial art you have to learn how to react you know when when you're when you're sparring or when you're fighting or when you're grappling you know it if you're watching that happen it may look like these guys are all amped up but they're not these guys are trying to control themselves they're trying to stay on kind of an even keel, and for lack of a better word, they're trying to relax and let their opponent make the first mistake and let him get amped up and then take advantage of that. So, it, you know, it it kind of helped me revisit and, and re-embrace that philosophy after talking to uh, Dr. Heil that, you know, you, you have to find your, your, your focus and your center, and it, it's okay to to calm yourself down, to chill out a little bit and, and to really teach yourself how to relax. And, and that probably as much as anything has, has helped me with pain management. I mean, just, just through the things I've done throughout my life, you know, I'm, I'm probably always going to have something that hurts somewhere. Right. And through, you know, my different workouts, my, I changed my diet up a little bit and through the whole meditation and relaxation, you know, my, 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 my body probably feels as good as it's felt in quite some time. Wow. I love it. I love, love hearing that. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of anxious and excited, you know, when the opportunity, you know, hopefully arises that, um, I've been taking notes and kind of rereading it and, and John and I've been talking off and on about it. I want to try to impart this on, you know, the, the, the juniors and seniors in high school and the freshmen, you know, all through your freshmen and seniors in college, you know, I think it's an important aspect of succeeding in athletics and, or academics as well as, you know what, you, you always don't have to be on edge just, you know, when you step on the, on the court or on the field or in the pool or in the classroom, you don't have to be going 180 miles an hour, right? right? It, it's okay to, to be centered and to be calm and to go you one better, maybe you're at your best when you're like that. Maybe you not only compete better, but you're in results better. So I, I'm kind of anxious to you know, visit with some young, young people and talk to them about that philosophy as well.
0: I love it, and, and I agree with you. I think the more that we can teach young athletes not only to, to meditate but also to access their breath, the more they do that, they can actually slow down the game and be more controlled oh, of the game. Yeah, so it's absolutely. huge. It's huge. I love it. And, and, and to, to
1: go along with that, if you, it's you know, where I first started realizing that. You know, I'm watching. You know, I coached lacrosse for years, and I played football, and I played basketball in college. You know, so what do you do right before you take the field or right before you take the court? Well, you know the, the coach gets the huddle together, gets everybody huddled up together, and he revs them up. You, know, you do a little chant and you go out on the field, you're all revved up. Right, right. You know, and, and honestly, you know what, it's, it's crazy And that anybody that, that played with me or against me in college will, 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 will laugh when I say this. I'm not sure that's the way to go. I'm really not. I, I, I think you need to you know, kind of let it come to you rather than trying to attack it. And you know, I know there's a lot of schools of thought there, but hey, you can be just as aggressive and, and just as successful – if you are relaxed, you really can I've, I've I've learned that the hard way, but you can
0: yeah definitely you're preaching the gospel there it's um it's for me I think if you want to be mentally tough you want to be gritty you want to be resilient it all starts with breath and it all starts with you know forms of meditation but the breath is is the basis of everything when it comes to mental performance so I think the the fact that you are excited to to take this to to the youth in high school, I think it's great, and I and obviously I encourage you and support that as well.
1: Now, the the big part about that is, will they listen and will they believe it? So that you know, that's those could be two different stories. So we'll, we'll, hopefully, we'll find out there.
0: Yeah, yeah the the buy in is is always the uh, the kicker. You know, you get you get athletes yeah, that are bought in, and yes, but then if not, you just have to do some creative things to get them bought in. So, no, I definitely agree on that
1: well i'm gonna I'm gonna do my best and i'm hoping they're gonna learn and listen to my story and and, and kind of embrace and maybe understand that well it, it, this guy did it this way, and maybe it didn't work out so great for him, so maybe he does know what he's talking about so you know i'm gonna try that beautiful,
0: beautiful well, as far as your pain, I mean it's awesome that meditation has has been has been a factor in pain management and correcting it and helping us assisting. You to have a, a better life, but when you think of the pain that you went through all those years, describe to me what it felt like. What, what was the pain that you were feeling? Um, I'll tell you what I told my the the surgeon, that I
1: finally that finally corrected the the problem and did their hip replacement. It felt like somebody was taking an ice pick and sticking it six inches deep into my hip joint.
0: Mm, I've been there. Yep. <laughs> I sure yeah, yeah, well, that's
1: right. I, I said that because you surely can relate based on our prior conversation. And, and you know, probably for the last, uh, gosh, I don't know, six or eight years, I had no cartilage on the head of my femur. So it was just bone on bone for about a six or eight year period, which was, you know, tough from a pain management standpoint. You know, I, I had little or no flexibility or mobility of that hip joint you know, at, at the very end. And, you know, if I look back, uh, I think the final straw that broke the camel's back, uh, I'd say five years prior to my surgery, uh, I was riding riding my bike because it was, you know, I could still do that. I still had a pretty decent range of motion and it was a good cardio workout and a good lower extremity workout. And I was on the final leg of about, uh, I don't know, it was probably about a 20 or 25 mile ride one day. And, I had an SUV run a stop sign and I hit the brakes on my bike, went over the handlebars and ricocheted off the side of it. Mm. That probably was a straw that broke the camel's back and really put me into the the whole six inch ice pick sunk into that, that joint for the last probably five years. Wow. I mean, it was, it was somewhat manageable up until then, but at that point, um it it was tough it was it was really tough to gosh I think back and I'm not sure I in that period of time I'm not sure I got a full night's sleep there was really no comfortable position I could lay down in driving a car was was painful sitting and watching tv was painful standing was painful sitting was painful The, the the one thing I could do that didn't cause any pain. Is I could float in the pool,
0: <laughs> right? Yes, I. I. You know what I. You know for my for my listeners, you know I've I've had a couple hip replacements as well. So um, you know, Dave and I were talking about that beforehand, kind of sharing some stories. But you're right. Well, the the pool was my best friend when I was dealing with absolutely. my with my pain. So yeah, it, yeah, absolutely. And and also. The reason why that I got my hip replacement done, the first one, is because the the, the magic word was losing sleep, and it didn't matter about yeah, all the pain yeah. I was going through. But when I told him I was losing sleep, the doctor's like, "Well, that means you know you're losing years off your life, so we need to do it now." My
1: surgeon told me the same thing. Like he asked me that question. He says, "Hey, coach, why are you here?" And I think the first thing out of my mouth was, "You know, I, I really feel like I can no longer take this pain." And he and he asked me. He goes, "Does it affect your sleep?" I'm like, "Yeah, for like the last five years." He goes, "Well, we got to get you on the table then." Wow. So he did. Yeah. And and you know, I and I have sung his praises over and above anyone. He he, I mean, what a tremendous guy. He he was. He's a former athlete. He plays some golf now. He was just phenomenal. I I I can't I can't imagine still having that pain that I had. Me too. (laughs) I
0: agree with you. Yeah. Well, when you were going through the pain, what was it that gravitated you to using steroids? Was there another option at the time?
1: Well, I, you know, I, I I was a exercise phys major in in college, exercise phys and math major in college and and worked as a strength coach at, uh, at my college and football coach for a year, you know, after I graduated and, you know, I kind of stayed in touch with working out. And I I read articles and stuff like that. And throughout the period of time when it really got bad, I I realized that, you know, I could tell my, my walk was changing. Like my gait was changing and my lifting patterns would change. You know, I I couldn't do squats anymore. I couldn't do deadlifts anymore. Um, I could do leg extensions and leg curls, but you know, even those were starting to hurt. And then I, I noticed that I was, I was losing muscle mass and muscle strength on my left side. So I said, well, I got to do something to get muscle back on there, and you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, steroids were a quick fix to that. I mean, they're, you know, you 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 read about them in football, you read about them in baseball, you read about them in the Olympics. They're, you know, they're 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 all over the place these days. Um, so I, I turned to that.
0: And i you know I've I've heard that you know being in the being an athlete myself, I've I've known a lot of people that have used steroids, not necessarily just to to build muscle, um, it's, is to alleviate the pain and also to get you back, uh, quicker, to heal quicker. People forget about that. You know, that's some of the properties of steroids, not necessarily, I mean, obviously sure you're going to build muscle, but it allows you to, to recover quicker.
1: Right. And, and, you know, I guess to go along with that, my, my, I don't want to say lifestyle at the time, but just, I think my life at the time, you know, work in construction, you know working at a bar and then training for for mixed martial arts uh i probably went pretty daggone hard six or seven days a week and you know that you know for i'm not proud of it but you know steroids helped me power through everything and you know not just survive but you know i excelled in the things i did and you know they helped me with with that aspect now in hindsight, if I had it to do all over again, would I, knowing what I know now, would I would I do that? You know, that's a heck of a question. That's a sixty-four thousand dollar question. Uh, all right. I want to say no, I wouldn't, but you know, I, I can't say that and be hundred percent certain. I, I don't know. I guess I would footnote it by saying um, I feel like I can't say this. I would I would guarantee you I would exercise every option imaginable before I went that route again.
0: Right. And I, I appreciate you sharing that. You know, there's decisions we've made, you know, when we were younger. And, uh, you know, it, we don't know what, you know, the the situation that would come out from, you know, these decisions. And, and that's that's what wisdom's here, right? So we're a little more wiser now. We have to go through some mistakes. We have to go through some things for us to look back at at our, our choices. But, you know, I've made a lot of choices in my life back in the day, you know, as an athlete. But some of them weren't good, but I don't regret them because they've allowed me to to not only shed light on it and have more perspective, but I can use that knowledge to help younger athletes.
1: Oh, absolutely. That's, that's, that's funny you say that. John and I were talking about that I think two sessions ago. You know, you asked me about, you know, did I have any regrets on things I'd been through and things that I'd done? And I said, you know, I, I thought long and hard about that, and I thought, no, I don't think I do. You know, because... You know, I, I really believe. You know, I have a, a pretty strong faith. I, I I feel great about that, and that, you know, the things that I've done, uh, I've done my be- I've done my best to learn from them and grow from them, and I just don't feel like I have any regrets because everything I've done, whether it's been whether it's worked out well or whether it's, whether it's been a mistake, you know, I feel like I've learned, you know, volumes from from everything.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I can only imagine that you have a good support system, and you've talked about your mongrel horde. What is What's, what's the mongrel horde? <laughs>
1: the the mongrel horde is is kind of a in the in the college lacrosse brotherhood or fraternity, whatever you want to call it. Uh, there's this thing called Lax Power. It's kind of like an online of. Uh, Venting website where people give their opinions. Well, this team's the best team, and that team's the best team, and this guy's the first team all American, and this guy shouldn't be on the field, and that coach should be fired, and this guy needs to be hired, and you know anybody and everybody can voice their opinion on there. I guess, uh gosh, it's been probably five or six years ago. Somebody nicknamed the uh, men's team at Roanoke College the Mongol Horde because they were just a bunch of, you know, misfit dogs running around. You know, like a bunch of <laughs> rabid dogs right. feeding on anything and everything they could they could you know get their their mitts on. and um, and, and I don't know who, I think one of the captains that year, uh, a, a fellow named Zach Thomas, who was a first team all-American attackman and probably the best captain of an athletic team that I've ever had the honor to be associated with. He's now the top assistant coach at Christopher Newport university down at Virginia beach. You know, he, you know, he looked at me and I, you know, I was giving him a hard time about that. And he, I think his words were something like, what the hell are you laughing at? He goes, you're the damn leader of us. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I just said, you know, they, they, they kind of dubbed me the, the keeper of the Mongol horde. I love it. So I, 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 I try to embrace that and, and, you know, I, I, I felt at, at the time and still to this day, um, I felt like that was a pretty high honor to be, you know, the the gatekeeper of that unruly bunch. Uh, you know what? I'll take that any day of the week because those guys, if you mess with one of them, you mess with all
0: 44 of them. So I, I was fine with that. I love it. Well, with that being said, I can only imagine, you know, being a coach, being a strength conditioning coach, especially at the college, you've built really incredible relationships how have you dealt with not being in a position to to have those relationships? I'm sure there's some athletes that have moved on now that you can have these relationships with, but the ones that are still uh, you know active in the college how has it been for you not to actually communicate with them and interact with them
1: uh it's been pretty hurt uh yeah you know, it's uh it's been some pretty deep pain um it, it's you know I'm not sure I can voice that one um you know, you talk about – you know, you go back and say everybody makes mistakes and all that, and, I, you know, I buy into that, and I'm a believer in that. But, you know, at the end of the day, I feel like I dropped the ball and I let those kids down, and I'm, I'm not sure I have 100% forgiven myself for that. According to them, they have, and, you know, they're okay, and, you know, they, they don't think any less of me, and I believe that. But at the end of the day – you know, I, 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 I probably unfortunately hold myself to a pretty high standard when it comes to honor and integrity, with respect to that, and it has been a giant dagger in my heart.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, you know, I still struggle to try to, you know, uh, even I mean, this is we're going on nine months after all this has happened. And there's still not a day that goes by there. They Ron colleges. Graduation is tomorrow. And for me not to, you know, get to go watch those kids graduate is, is painful. It, it hurts.
0: I, I can only imagine, you know, so,
1: I guess, you know, I've thought about it. And I've written this down, you know, some different ideas and uh, probably the best approach that I've been able to come up with is I want to share that, with other younger athletes and and try to relate to them that, you know, you got to go through life with honor. You have to go through life with integrity and you need to, to realize no matter where you are, no matter who you are, no matter what you're doing, you know, life is full of choices. And with a lot of those choices, you know, come consequences. And I'm going to tell them you know, here's the consequence I've had to deal with, and I, I've hated myself for it. So, I just want you guys and girls. You know, you may look at me like I'm crazy now, but at some point, this is going to come come to fruition in your life, and you're going to realize, you know, maybe that crazy old man knew what the hell he was talking about anyway. So, <laughs> right? I, I want. I, I you know, it, you, I think somebody. I think the the more people that these young kids hear from that that say hey, there's nothing wrong with being, you know, footloose and fancy free, but you guys got to understand that, you know, with every choice you make, there there could be consequences. And, you know, I'm going to tell them, like, here's what I did and here's what I had to deal with. And believe me, it wasn't fun. I hated every single second of it.
0: Well, and again, I, I appreciate you being vulnerable right there. and And I feel that, you know, dealing with any kind of healing – the first thing is, I think the first thing and the most important thing is forgiveness. And I know you talked about it being a dagger in your heart, and you're still going through that process of forgiving yourself. But when when do you think you'll start forgiving yourself and letting this this wound completely heal?
1: Wow, you got some you got some tough questions today. <laughs> Holy cow! Um, you know, I, I I'd like to say that I've I, I've done that, but be lying to you and that's that's not very honorable so uh i'm a kind of a big person on you know writing things down and setting goals so i have made a goal to myself that by the time the athletes come back to the college uh next fall i have to have all this stuff behind me and you know in order to do that you know they, they you know I, I believe in you have to plan to do things. If, you know, if you have a goal without a plan, then at that point, it's nothing more than a wish. You're never, you're never going to realize it. So I've got to develop a plan on how to, how I'm going to get from point A to point B by the time next August rolls around here. And I can tell you a big part of that is going to be talking to Dr. Heil. A big part of that is going to be writing down, you know, stuff that, has been painful me, for me with regards to how I felt like I have let the, the athletes down. And a big part of that's going to be, you know, at my continuing relationship with uh, Chaplin Bowen over at the college, you know, he, he's a pretty insightful guy. And, um, you know, when in doubt, uh, I, I still believe you got to ask the guy upstairs because he's the one that's in charge of this whole mess.
0: I think it's fair to say that from the situation, your, your goal is to share your story with the youth in high school and anybody else that's willing to listen to, uh, you know, to share your story and, and share your lessons that you've learned. But if you think about that role right there, right. Right. Why not you? Uh-huh. Right. We're circling back on, what hey, we talked you know, <laughs> why not you? Uh,
1: I, and, and you know what they, I, you know, my wife is an advocate of everything happens for a reason. So, you know, maybe that's the reason. I don't know. Um, uh, uh, I, I think that, you know, I believe life is what you make of it. So, um, you gotta, you know, I was telling my youngest, uh, Jake, who is a freshman in high school, you know, he, when all this, you know, first happened, he's like, you know, what are you going to do? I know you love coaching, blah, blah, blah. And I told him, I said, dude, you remember the, I got a picture hanging in my office. And it, it's, it's a, a guy that I, that I trained with who is a just a beast in the ring and, it's a little saying on there, you know, this is why I will always beat you. You know, and and in summation, it just pretty much says, you know, you can knock me down, but I'm always going to get back up. You know, I'm not motivated by pride. I'm motivated by accomplishment. You know, I do things to achieve. I don't do things to impress. No matter how many times that you knock me down, I'm always going to get back up. And, you know, I told, I told my youngest, I'm like, listen, buddy, if I don't live by the thing that was hanging in my office then I'm the biggest hypocrite on the planet. So I said, I don't want you to worry about me. Your dad, your your dad's always going to get back up. I said, this is not the first time I've been knocked down and I can promise you, you know, with the way that I live my life, it won't be the last time, but I will always get back up and I'll always be a success. It just, you know, it's just, just a different level of success and a different way to do things. So I said, you know, you're in this family and that's the way this family
0: lives. Man, I love it. I you know the conviction in I can only imagine the conviction in your words. I can feel it and I can see mentally see you speak to your son. And I think that's such a great it's a great moment that you can have with your son. Not only just to kind of reinforce your mindset and what you're all about and your family's all about, but such a great learning opportunity for your son to see you deal with adversity and And I just want to thank you so much for being on my show to talk about all the trials and tribulations that you've had to deal with in the last year and and how you dealt with adversity. Your story, even though, again, you had to go through some rough times to actually get to the good, which the good is actually sharing your story and impacting people's lives. I think think it's very honorable, and I thank you for being on my show. No, I
1: had a blast, and, and you know what? This is probably you know, a, a big step and one of the first steps in the whole healing process because it's really the first opportunity that, you know, I've had to talk about things and, you know, realize how impactful it is. It's been on my life. And, you know, it's, it's honestly, it's tough to talk about, but, you know, I've learned that through Dr. Hile and through the chaplain, you know, people need to know, people need to know your story, no matter who you are, people need to know your story because somebody can always learn from you. So I'm, I'm trying to have that outlook, and, you know, I had a great time. You know, I, I can't thank you enough for having me on the show and giving me the opportunity. I owe you one.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, I'll tell you what I, I learned from it, man, and uh, it was impactful, and um, I can only imagine people out there are going to learn from you and um, your energy and your spirit. They're going to—I um, It's. I know it's contagious, and they're going to learn a lot from you. So, again, thanks for being on the show.
1: I appreciate it, Grant. That means a lot.